morning. Hope everyone's doing well today. My name is John Gallagher. I'm the student ministries leader here at Shiloh United Methodist Church. And today I just want to share a few just quick brief stories before we dive into God's word. And the first story actually involves me playing some one of my favorite sports with a couple high school students. And you guys probably know what it is. It's called ping pong or table tennis. And I grew up playing ping pong in high school. It was one of my dad's favorite sports. That was kind of our bonding time together. So I was pretty good at this game. And I still have kept my skill for quite a while. And so I decided I, just this last year, I played two different high school students. And, and one of them I, I know pretty well. The other one I kind of just see off and on. But both these kids I decided to play. And I would tell them that I'm good at the game, but I wouldn't share the full story and that I won a city tournament back when I was in high school. And so I decided to play these people, these individuals, and I can safely say that I destroyed them. And so um, after it was all said and done, I haven't played either of these people since then. And we played one game and that was about it. Um, I'm, I'm good friends with both these people so, still, so I haven't like entirely you know, thrown that away. Um, and I remember another story. This story happened when I was in high school, maybe more community college age. I was hanging out with some buddies in my parents' basement. We we're playing video games, doing our thing, and, and one of them liked picking on me quite a bit. And of course, we never picked on him. We, we always picked on him. And he was making fun of my size. Now, if you don't know, and if you're tuning in on the podcast, I've got a massive build of 5'6". So, so, you know, I, I'm something to just like, you know, freak out in terror with. And so this, this kid makes fun of my size and I just wasn't going to have that. And so he's much bigger than I am and I tackled him. And, and uh, another guy was watching and, and after it was all said and done, he's like, man, just, you know, don't make him mad. And so, so uh, I, I say those things to say that part of what we're going to talk about today is self-control. And those are things that um, I think that we all have issues with at times. And yet we're going to see that here in the text today. Self-control is one of the things that is mentioned over and over again. There's plenty of things that happen. And I think we have something to learn today when we observe what it means to have self-control and what it means to really observe the teachings of Jesus. So let's come to God together in prayer and just talk with him for a little bit. Father God, I just ask that you, that you speak through me, that you speak through your spirit. And that whatever your word says today, that it, it's truthful. And that it changes our hearts, it changes our minds, it changes our actions. Because you are acting through it. So God, that is my simple prayer today, is that your will is done in our lives. We thank you, God, that your word is just, it's there. And that's how we get to know what you say and, and what you do and what you want us to do, God. So help us just listen to what your word says today. Help us be obedient to it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So right now we're in a series. It's in Titus. And Titus is a friend of Paul. And Paul has gone around to different churches. And he has given corrections and teachings to different churches. And so he gives this instruction to his friend Titus, who's helped him along his missionary journey, and he tells Titus that he wants to go into this area in Greece, and it's an, it's an island called Crete. And now this island, these Cretans that are there, we learned a little bit about them from the last few weeks, that they're, they struggle with a lot of things. 
Um, they're, known as, they're known as liars. They're lo- known as having, you know, being gluttonous. And, and they've just, they've lost the way on some things. And so Paul gives this instruction to his friend Titus, and he's saying, hey, I want you to go out and I want you to help correct these people. Go encourage them. Go show them how to live. And so that's what chapter 2 is all about. So let's read chapter 2 and see what it says for us. So you, however, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith and love and endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent to the ways they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to too much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, to be subject to their husbands, so that no one will malign the word of God. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them, not to talk back to them and not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted, so that in every way they'll make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive. For the grace of God has appeared and offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. These, then, are the things that you should teach, encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. So the things that we have going on, the first thing that that Paul tells Titus, he says, you, however. So he says, however. It's contrasting to what was just happening before in chapter 1. Now, what was happening in chapter 1 is that we have had some false teachers that have gotten into the church. And that was part of Paul's reasoning for sending Titus to get into these churches, saying, hey, we've got some false teachers that have come in here. I want you to confront them in their leadership and take care of some things, to clean house. Now, the things that were happening in these churches... These were leaders that were claiming to be Christians, and yet, though they claimed that, they had had let these cultural things come into their understandings of who God is, and they blended things together. And so some of the teachings that they had would have been on Zeus. Now, Zeus is something that they would have grown up with, this this Greek mythology, this Greek god. And this this was a god that was saying that he was, you know, once man, and now he became god. And, and that you have Zeus, he's known as being a liar, and he's known as, as being a slanderer, he's doing terrible things. And then you have this Greek god, this Zeus, and he's a womanizer, he's a bad dude. And so when they hear, the, when they hear that these are Christians that are living this way, that are, that are living in ways that are opposed to God, well, where do you think they're gonna get these teachings from? They're gonna get it from their teachers, their leaders. And so you have these people in Crete that hear these words of, yeah, this is how you live like a Christian, and yet you're, you're going out, you have men that are being womanizers and seducing people just like Zeus, just like their God. And so of course you're going to have that stuff happen. But Titus is saying, no, I want you to live in this way. 
And, and, and Paul, in the beginning, when he, when he is instructing Titus in verse 2, he's saying that this is, this is a God who does not lie. Promised before the beginning of time. So he's already contrasting. He's saying the God of Scripture, the God of the Bible, is very different than this God that you've adapted, known as Zeus. And so we have these teachings where, where this whole thing here is encouragement for, for Paul with Titus, he's saying, I want these people to live this way. I want them to be men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, sound in faith and love and endurance. So what is, okay, what does temperate mean? Temperate is that you're not caught in drunkenness. It's the very action of being self-controlled. I think that men then, they probably really needed to work on self-control if Titus is, is saying, hey, be self-controlled. By the way, two, two, like two or three words later, it's be self-controlled again. So men really have to work on self-control. And then we've got women that are told, hey, you know, don't be caught up in drinking too much wine. Don't get caught and don't caught in doing that. Both the men and the women in their culture are really struggling with drunkenness. And so why does he say all these things? What's the purpose of all of that? Well, imagine when you've got a community of people that claim to be Christians, and so they gather together, and, and they would do all their things, and they'd say, yes, we're doing it for the glory of God. And then moments later, they're getting wasted. What kind of witness is that of the gospel? And I think that that's what was happening. I think that's why Titus is saying, hey, I want you to live this way. Because this way that you're living that's blending in with the culture that's following your God, Zeus, that's following these false teachers, that's not the gospel. That's not real. And so I think when, when Titus is being shown these things and he's telling these people, I want you to live this way because it's going to honor God. And what would happen if the community around you saw you actually loving people, actually having self-control? What if the men are actually being upright in their behavior? What if the, the women are actually teaching the younger women how to live lives that are respectful and good for God's glory? Instead of living in the ways that they are, now they're living the ways that God wants them to live. When I hear that and when I read that, I think that's a lot of pressure. I don't know how we could ever do that. And yet I love that this is what Titus tells him. In verse 11, this is the whole reason we do this. This is the whole reason we can do this. The grace of God has appeared that offers salvation for all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay? So the reason we can do those things is because God's already committed that work inside of us. And so when God has already done all this work inside of us through this gospel, the gospel that Jesus came, that he's the son of God, that he lived life among people, that he died a terrible death, that he didn't have to, but he did that so that people may come to know him and be saved. And so that the Holy Spirit can come and change their lives. If that's really what we're living for, if that's what we really believe, then there's no choice but to change the world around us. Because it's not us anymore. That's God doing things in our lives, and the world just gets to watch. And the world's going to say, why are you different? What's happening to you? What's happened? 
you're going to say, it's not me. It's God. God has done the miraculous work. God is the reason the way I am today. And so God gets that glory, and then more people get to come to know him. That is an attractive message. And that's something that I think the people, the people in Crete really needed to hear. But I think we also need to hear that too. I think in my own life, when I think of some ways that I've gotten out of control, what if I have other people that are watching? I say, you know, this guy's a guy that claims to be Christian, and then he goes off and does this stupid thing. Why would you do that? Well, what if we started living differently? What if we started living differently that transforms us because God's doing it? And then the community starts to see it. I think that'd be pretty attractive. I think that'd be pretty cool. And again, I don't think that's because of anything that I'm doing. It's because I'm letting God do the work. And then I just show off God's glory. And people get to see it. And more people get to come and know Jesus. That is the lives that we're called to live. And you think, gosh, you know, sometimes I don't want to do those things. It's not about you anymore. It's all about Jesus. It's all about living the way that he wants you to live. And then people see that, and they get to come to know Jesus, and then they get to join us. What more incredible reality could there be than that? Nothing. That's why God designed it. I think it's pretty cool. And so I hope to encourage you all with this, of just think of the things, what do we do with this message? Well, start looking at your own life. See the things that are going on. Maybe there's some areas that you lack self-control with. Whatever those look like. But don't feel like you have to do this alone. If you're married, talk to your spouse about it. If you're single, talk to your church congregation about it. That's what we're here for. We're here to work at this thing together so we get to continue to know more and more about Jesus. We get to be better witnesses for his kingdom. I think that's a pretty amazing message. So I hope that we hold on to that today is whatever things that you're going through, I hope that those, some of those things are worked on and that you look at those things. But in the meantime, even as you're in process, go say, hey, this is, this is what Jesus wants me to do now. This is how I'm a witness for him. So I hope that when people look at your life, they say, wow, that guy's different. This person's different. What makes them different? Jesus does. The Holy Spirit does. And I think that's the life we get to live. If that's not exciting, I don't know. I think you missed out on something. So I hope that that's the, most, that's the most exciting thing you could ever do. So don't lose that. Don't just say, yep, that was a good message, and then you leave. And then you go back to the ways of old. Stop it. Start moving into what God is calling you to do, because he talks to you. Let's talk to God together in prayer. Father God, thank you for your word. <laughs> thank you for showing us how to live the Christian life and what you want us to do. And God, it's not just about us doing. We do because of the work that you've already done. So help us accept your grace, accept your truth, and accept your love written in your word, written on our hearts. And so then we can step into the lives that you've called us to live so that your son Jesus is known, so that more people get to come to know him, and we get to celebrate the life that you've given us together on this earth. Thank you, God, that you are God and not us, that you continue to change our lives for your glory. 
ask this in your, in your son's name.